sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. We are now in October. We are now in hour number two of the morning after live on this Thursday, October 6th. Had to check the calendar just to make sure right here on Sports Grid. Sirius XM channel 159 all across the Sports Grid network as well. I am Ben Stevens. It is October. It is the start of week number five of the NFL season. Week number six of college football is very close as well. And tomorrow playoff baseball begins the final day of the regular season was yesterday 162 coming to a close 12 teams will continue the hunt for a world series championship now into the postseason six in the american league six in the national league the expanded postseason in mlb four wild card series all begin tomorrow a jam-packed slate on your friday your Saturday and your Sunday before we get to the divisional series where the Astros and the Yankees, the top two seeds in the AL await. And in the National League, it's the Dodgers and the Braves. Again, the Braves clinching the National League East on the second to last night of the Major League Baseball regular season. That is going to be so impactful as we look at the odds here in just a moment because you have two 100-plus win baseball teams in Atlanta and the New York Mets that are into the postseason, but one is in a wild card series and the other gets a first round bye and would not have to play the Dodgers, who won 111 games this year, going well over their preseason win total of 101 in a hook until that potential National League Championship Series. So the Mets will be at home for this three game wild card set, best of three, that is, all three games played in that higher seeds home ballpark. But the Mets host the San Diego Padres. As it stands from the odds, the Mets are expected to advance to the NLDS, where they would take on the Los Angeles Dodgers. Minus 194 to win this series outright. Again, a best of three series. The Padres, the series underdogs, at plus 164. To win it in two games, that is the most likely outcome for it not to see a third game. And the Mets to pull off the sweep, two games to none, that's the most likely outcome in the correct score market as well at plus 145. So again, the odds indicating with the Mets nearly a $2 series outright favorite in the shortest outcome in the series correct score market is the Mets for a sweep at plus 145. The Mets should handle their business in advance of the National League Division Series where they would take on the L.A. Dodgers. But the reason it is also impactful as we look at the odds to reach the NLCS is the Dodgers right now are the favorites to win the National League. They've been that the entirety of this season. But for often of this year in Major League Baseball, it was the Mets not far behind. Now it's the Braves who have the second-best price and the second-best number to reach the National League Championship Series. The Dodgers heavily favored to do so, minus 210. The Braves also a heavy minus money price at minus 160. Then it's the Cardinals with the third best odds at plus 240. Why? Because the Redbirds would take on the Braves if St. Louis can advance past Philadelphia in its best of three wild card series. And the Mets now have the fourth best price to make the National League Championship Series at plus 260. If you would have said that back in August, 
July, June, certainly, when the Mets had a 10-and-a-half game lead in the division in the National League East. That would have been crazy to say. But now the path is so much more difficult for New York and sets up much more favorably for Atlanta in the National League. A welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience here, the second hour of the morning after live on this Thursday, all across the grid, Sirius XM Channel 159, all of our terrestrial radio affiliates as well. I am Ben Stevens. The Major League Baseball postseason is set. The games begin tomorrow, officially in October baseball. All four wild card series start tomorrow. A full gauntlet, a full slate for you on your Friday docket in Major League Baseball. Let's continue to go around the National League here because as it stands right now, it will be the Mets hosting the Padres. That's the four and five seed. The Mets heavily favored to win that series outright at minus one. 94 in the other wild card series again best of three with all three games at the home ballpark of the higher seed it will be the st louis cardinals hosting the philadelphia phillies now st louis was the divisional champ out of the national league central the phillies the third and final nl wild card team clinching their first berth back into the postseason in 11 years earlier this week so as it stands right now in the series correct score market for st louis and Philadelphia, St. Louis is favored to win this series, but not by that much of a number, minus 134. So then you go to the correct score market, and you can see how competitive this series is expected to be. For St. Louis to win in three, it's plus 220. Yesterday, Philly to win in two was actually shorter odds than St. Louis to win in two. That market has been corrected on the FanDuel Sportsbook. We'll dive into this deeper here in just a little bit, but let's go American League big picture now. The AL pennant odds. The Astros, the favorites, plus 160. The Yankees behind them, but only by 50 cents at plus 210. There has been that top tier of two in the American League pretty much all year. At a point, it was the Yankees ahead of the Astros. Now it's the Strohs and head of the Bronx Bombers because Houston is that top overall seed and would have home field advantage in a potential American League championship series against New York. And there's the drop-off of more than $4 from the Astros and the Yankees to the Blue Jays with the third best price at plus six fifty. Plenty more to come in this postseason preview for Major League Baseball up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Time to break down the Major League Baseball postseason with one of the best out there looking at the pitching matchups that we have for Friday in the four games we will see in the four wild card series across MLB. The pitching ninja, FanDuel's Rob Friedman, joins us here on the morning after live on this Thursday. Looking forward to the postseason, predictions for the playoffs, and a breakdown of those games all taking place tomorrow. Rob how excited are you? It is officially October baseball. The playoffs are here in MLB. I am really excited. I'm going to be busy because these are some of the best pitching. I mean, they are the best pitching staff. So you go down there and I'm excited about almost every matchup and it's going to be a lot of fun. 
Rob, it's going to be a very busy Friday and Saturday and potentially Sunday for you as well. Four games tomorrow, all four wild card series played and beginning on the same day. And it starts at noon Eastern time in Cleveland. We'll get to that game in just a bit. But Rob, I think the game I'm most excited for tomorrow in the American League, that of the Toronto Blue Jays against the Seattle Mariners. And what a pitching matchup we have. Luis Castillo, who was acquired at the trade deadline, getting the start for the M's. The Blue Jays going with Alec Manoa. You can see those postseason totals in over-under of just seven. The Blue Jays favored in this opening game, Rob, in the Great White North up in Toronto. But who do you think has the edge in this pitching matchup? Al, that is really close. I mean, when Castillo's on, he's as good as anybody, and he can shut down any lineup. So, you know, and <laughs> the same with Manoa. Like, this, this matchup is is outstanding i think it depends on if if a game castillo shows up they're going to be really tough and that starting rotation is really good for the mariners i mean they're yeah they're studs the mariners back into the postseason for the first time in 21 years and rob as we look at that series price right now toronto not only a favorite of nearly a buck and a half tomorrow in game number one of this best of three series but pretty heavily favored to win the series outright at minus 174. But the Mariners are an exciting team. Can Seattle pull off the upset in this opening round of the postseason? They absolutely can. I mean, you know, I, I have this as fairly close. And I think the Mariners starting pitching absolutely could could shine through. Um, I think they're one of the more underrated staffs. Like, I, I think they're extremely good. You know, I, I, I have a tough time with this. With the line, I, I think the Mariners are a good pick. But... I mean, the Blue Jays obviously have have the pitching as well. And uh, yeah, this is going to be fun. It's going to be fun being me yeah. for this. Like, uh, I can't <laughs> wait. Your guy, Alec Manoa, Rob, who you took selfies with on the red carpet ahead of the All-Star <laughs> game when he was sensational mic'd up. It's going to be tough for you to pick your allegiances here throughout this postseason. But again, a busy Friday starting bright and early tomorrow, noon Eastern time in Cleveland between the Guardians and they go with Shane Bieber in game number one a former American League Cy Young winner against the Tampa Bay Rays and Shane McClanahan Rob through most of this year McClanahan was the betting favorite to win the American League Cy Young how do you evaluate this pitching matchup in Cleveland tomorrow you know Bieber has been outstanding all year and one of the quieter outstanding guys because he doesn't blow you away with velo he's just a precision pitcher who knows his arsenal and pitches to his strengths uh fantastic season for him you know th that being said McClanahan on his a game beats just about anybody he has been a little less consistent um you know last few outings it depends on which McClanahan shows up, and again, he could shut them down. I like their, I like the, uh, I like their bullpen. I think it's going to be interesting. Look at that total too, six, just six runs. That is playoff <laughs> baseball for you, indicated in the odds between McClanahan and Bieber. And when you look at it as well, Rob, you mentioned it. The bullpen for Cleveland might be one of the best in all of this postseason, led by Emmanuel, Emmanuel Classe, who is the closer for Cleveland right now. The most saves this year, 42 of them throughout this regular season. How much of an advantage is that now, Rob, in the playoffs to have a back end of the bullpen that can shut teams down? 
I mean, to me, it's huge. Like I, that's one of the reasons why I would, I would lean towards them in, in a lot of ways. Like, you know, I, I think the Mets have a, have a really good shot because they have Diaz at the back of their bullpen, but you have class a who is as good as anybody. I mean, I have Diaz as my number one reliever in all of baseball, number one closer in all of baseball. I have class a is two They're, You know, you can interchange them. Um, and right. then you also have Karen check at the end of the game too, who, uh, you know, at his best is unhittable. So it's that's a that's a nice thing to hand off to. Karen Jack is going to be incredible postseason theater. If you have not seen him pitch this year for Cleveland, energy at all times. Now in the postseason in October, yeah, Cleveland's going to be a fun team to pay attention to, especially late in competitive baseball games. So you mentioned Edwin Diaz. Wait for the trumpets the first time at City Field in playoff baseball as well. But Rob, I was a little bit surprised. I mean, I guess it's a really good problem to have for Buck Showalter that you can pick between Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer for who you want to start game number one of a wild card series. And Buck going with Mad Max in game number one tomorrow night at City Field against the San Diego Padres. Were you surprised at all to see Mad Max getting the start in favor of DeGrom? Or does it make sense to you? It, it makes sense, but I was a little surprised. I mean... Starting off a series with Mad Max is not a bad thing. Like, you know, experience-wise, he's got it. He can set the tone. I think it's almost a coin flip-ish type thing. Um, I like it. But, you know, look at the Padres pitching, too. This is yeah. this is insane. I mean, you have you Darvish, who has been as good as anybody down the stretch. Absolutely so. And when you look at their strikeout props, Rob, it's an area you look throughout Major League Baseball and the FanDuel Sportsbook. It's a little bit different, though, for starting pitching in the postseason because your wiggle room, how long you might be able to go, is going to be very dependent, especially in a best-of-three wildcard series. So Darvish is at 5.5. The under has the juice. Scherzer is at 5.5 strikeouts as well. The over has the juice. Rob, how are you going to approach K-props this postseason? I mean, I love my strikeouts. I rarely go unders on anything. I do think the Mets have a great approach at the plate and will grind out at bats. Darvish has a million different pitches he can throw at them, which makes it a little tougher. But he may opt to get them to put the ball in play versus, you know, going for a lot of Ks. It just depends, like, how Darvish wants to approach the game. He's got so many weapons. Um, But so does does Max. Like, it's going to be crazy. Zach Wheeler getting the start for Philadelphia tomorrow. Adam Wainwright, old Uncle Chuck, getting the start for the St. Louis Cardinals. And right now, Rob, it's expected to be the most competitive game. It's minus 108 for both teams on the money line right now. Who do you think has the edge throughout this wild card series between the Phillies and the Cards? Like, if I'm looking at starting pitch and I go Phillies, I mean, you, it's not, you can't get much better than Wheeler and Nola. Um, and I think the cards, that's their, that's where they're a little susceptible. So man, I, I don't know. Like, these are all <laughs> tough, man. I, I kind of, what do you think about this format? I kind of, I kind of like it, like looking at these matchups. I love anything that has a bracket, Rob, because I'm a huge <laughs> fan of the NCAA tournament. And I think it I'm gets good, a little dude. bit crazy. And there's no reseeding of anything that happens after the wild card. So you know who you might be lining up against and it's best of three it's your best on your best and we see that in the pitching matchup certainly here in a best of three wild card series quickly here rob the reason the national league east 
was so significant is because the Braves get the bye. The Mets now have a much harder path to an NLCS appearance. What do you think of where New York stacks up right now as postseason baseball begins tomorrow? Oh, I agree. I think it's tougher for them. I think having to go that extra round is is much tougher. Um, and I think that would uh, that would allow me to pick. I mean, I think the Braves may be not a dark horse, but I, I might run with them on this just because I think they're they're playing the best ball right now. Rob Friedman, the pitching ninja from FanDuel. A busy day to start off postseason baseball tomorrow on a Friday. 11 straight hours of pitching ninja videos on Twitter, though. Not bad by me. More of the morning after is up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Thursday night football on this evening out in Denver, Colorado, between the Broncos and the Colts to open up week number five of this NFL regular season. Kevin Boas joins us now here on the morning after of 107.5, the fan in Indianapolis to preview TNF tonight between Indy and Denver. Kevin, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on this Thursday live on TMA. You bet. Morning, guys. So as we look at this game, Kevin, of course, it is a three and a half point spread in favor of Denver. But we'll get to the game in just a minute. It's been a disappointing start. I think it's fair to say for both of these clubs this evening, Denver and Indianapolis. As you've seen from the Colts so far, how have you seen this 2022 season get off for Indianapolis? Yeah, very disappointing. Um, The schedule was there early in the year with Houston and Jacksonville out of the gate. You felt like to get something uh, in the division, which is a division they haven't won now in seven years. Um, I would say the disappointing things have been very slow starts. They've been down at least three scores in three of their four games this season. Uh, Matt Ryan's turnover numbers are at a very alarming rate. And their biggest strength, how they want to be built, their offensive line, it's the highest paid unit in the NFL. They have not gotten the job done either, run or pass game. Um, and now they look at it, and they're missing arguably two of their best players tonight, Jonathan Taylor and Shaquille Leonard. And when you mention JT, that's why the line has worked slightly even more in Denver's favor, up from three yesterday now. That hook added on three and a half. How does that change the offensive game plan for the Colts this evening? Yeah, it's never good when the 32nd-ranked scoring offense is missing its best player. Um, So let's start there. Having said that, and I know this can't be said without it sounding like a shot at Taylor, but if there is a somewhat replaceable position on a football field, it's probably running back. Um, I think these two franchises have seen it, honestly, on Thursday Night Football in years past. Last year, Denver felt the brunt of Dearness Johnson running for 140-some yards against them without Nick Chubb, without Kareem Hunt. Uh, Colts fans will remember the name Jonathan Williams. you got to go back a few years, but Marlon Mack was hurt. The Colts went to Jonathan Williams, and he ran for more than 100 yards in a Thursday Night win. So I think weird things happen on short weeks. Um, but still, I don't want to undermine, like, Taylor's average four yards per carry this season. Naeem Hines and Deion Jackson, the other two running backs currently on their 53-man roster, they've averaged less than a yard per carry. So it's not ideal. Um, it's not what you want to have happen. But we'll see if Philip Lindsay gets a call up from the practice squad and if, indeed, he has a bit of a homecoming tonight. 
Of course, Philip Lindsay, a guy that knows the Denver, Colorado area very, very well. And injury concerns, of course, for the Broncos in their backfield. No Javante Williams, not only just tonight, but probably for the rest of this regular season in 2022. So the line now three and a half in favor of the Broncos. A total at 42 in a hook, Kevin, for two teams that have played a lot of unders so far this year. As you evaluate the game from an overview perspective, what do you think will be a key matchup tonight? Yeah, I think the Colts' defensive line and trying to get after Russell Wilson. The Colts won win of the years over Kansas City. Kansas City gifted them a whole lot in that game. But the Colts' D-line did a tremendous job in rushing Patrick Mahomes. You know, when you face a Mahomes, when you face a Wilson, there's that fine balance of wanting to be disciplined with your rush lanes, but also you, you want to create some pressure, and you don't want to let that guy dictate when he gets out of the pocket. And the Colts were brilliant with that in Week 3 against Mahomes. Can you do that tonight against a Denver team that I think has had some offensive line issues? They're a little bit banged up there as well. Like you mentioned, no Williams. So we'll see about Melvin Gordon and his uh, recent history and, and, and fumble issues. But if the Colts D-line, I think, can disrupt Wilson enough, I think that will keep Indianapolis in this game. I mentioned the highest paid offensive line in the league. It's a highly invested defensive line here in Indianapolis. And I don't think it's lived up to the hype either entering this season. So that to me is a very critical matchup tonight so no jonathan taylor tonight of course so we look at the quarterback his first season in a colts uniform matt ryan his passing yards prop tonight 230 and a half one and a half passing touchdowns the expectation but the under has the juice in that market kevin what will they need out of matty ryan tonight to have success in denver yeah, I think you got to get some quicker in the passing game going. You know, I've mentioned just too many hits, too many sacks on Ryan, too many turnovers. Um, I assume that, you know, Patrick Sertan will, will get the responsibility of Michael Pittman tonight. We've seen heavy yeah. t attention towards Pittman in recent games. The Colts' tight ends were really good on Sunday against Tennessee. They got them back into the game with their tight ends. So I think it's quick rhythm. Um, you know, can guys create some separation early in routes and try to alleviate some of that stress that – you know, inevitably is going to be on Ryan's shoulders. Um, I think that's really important. Do we see any tempo? You know, I always feel like that's kind of a good thing to try and explore on Thursday night football uh, when, when you're playing a team coming off a short week and, and, you know, kind of a back and forth game with Denver and the Raiders last week. So I think those are some avenues for the Colts to try and tap into. Kevin, what's interesting to me is that 33 and a half passing attempts prop for Matt Ryan tonight. With no Jonathan Taylor, do you expect more volume in the passing attack? Or will they look for other ways offensively? Yeah, when I saw that number, that is kind of a tad big number in my mind. I mean, I get it. Without Taylor, you're losing 20-some carries a game. Um, but I do think this is why you have Philip Lindsay. I fully realize Lindsay hasn't played any football this year, uh, played in the preseason for the Colts. But, you know, you got to go back to last year when he didn't have a huge workload in Houston or Miami. But uh, – I do think this is why you have him. And if you promote him and give him the ball, I don't know, 10-ish times, and Naeem Hines the ball 10-ish times, then you're kind of sniffing what Taylor's normal workload would be. So unless things get out of control, I don't know, 33-and-a-half seems like a big number. Naeem Hines has been involved in the passing attack, even with Jonathan Taylor so far this year in the 2022 season. Is that still the area you would look at Naeem Hines for tonight instead of maybe the additional workload on the ground? Yeah, I don't know if they've had a bigger mystery than the lack of Hines usage this season. I mean, they, they really talked him up in the offseason. They grouped him in with Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor as that third playmaker, and I don't feel like that's been felt 
uh, this season. So I think it's vital to utilize Hines. He is that hybrid running back wide receiver threat. Um, he is one of the few guys in this team that I think can make some plays of the ball in his hands. Um, so that's something I've just kind of been waiting for. And it seems like tonight would be key to utilize that. You know, Alec Pierce, the rookie wideout, has really come on the last couple of weeks. It's been really yeah. effective in, in bringing down some go balls down um, down the sideline. So I, I do think that is an element to the passing game that they found that they didn't have at the start of the season. Uh, but still, this is an offense that is in a historic offensive rut for, for Colts teams. They scored 20 or less in six straight games. If it's 20 or less tonight, that'll be the longest such streak since 1993. And for an offensive-minded head coach, um, I can't imagine owner Jim Irsay is too happy about that. Yeah, the worst scoring offense in the league currently through four weeks is Indianapolis, only averaging 14.3 points per game. But the third worst scoring offense is on the other side, 16 and a half the number for the Denver Broncos so far. Also with an offensive-minded head coach and a new quarterback, they paid a lot of money to be here in Denver in Russell Wilson. It has been a struggle for Russ so far, but Kevin, how do you expect Indianapolis to defend Russell Wilson in that Broncos offense this evening on Thursday? Yeah, I'll go back to what I said earlier about that rush play, and I, I just think it's so critical with Wilson. I know there's been a couple of deep balls, but probably not as much as Denver would like with him this season because that is such a potent ability that he brings. Um, right. So can you stay disciplined? You know, he's a little banged up. That right shoulder injury, he was on the injury report earlier this week. He's good to go for tonight, but, you know, if you get an early hit on him on that throwing shoulder, what does that do? Um, the Colts have been a really good run defense team this season. Der Derrick Henry did. Um, you know, have his way a little bit last week. Uh, but for the most part, the Colts are a good run defense team. They haven't created enough turnovers, though. And I brought up the Melvin Gordon situation earlier. He's had some big fumble numbers in, in, in recent weeks. Um, is that something the Colts can try and tap into? Secondary-wise, I don't think the Colts have allowed a ton of big plays over the top, but they just don't get their hands on enough balls. Uh, last week against Tannehill, 21 pass attempts for Ryan Tannehill. Not a single pass is broken up. The four incompletions were all just errant throws, inaccurate throws, balls out of bounds, et cetera. Um, so that has been an issue with Gus Bradley coming over. Uh, you know, part of me would think, you know, Gus Bradley history in the AFC West, but obviously it's a new coaching staff and it's a new quarterback. So I don't think that's as relevant as maybe it was a few weeks ago when you played Mahomes in, in Kansas City. So the Colts entered this season as a minus 170, heavy odds on favorite, to win the AFC South following a 1-2-1 and one start to this year straight up through the first four weeks. The Colts no longer the favorites in the division, plus 200, tied with the Tennessee Titans for the second-best odds and behind the Jacksonville Jaguars. Kevin, the Jags now the favorites in the AFC South, but it is very early still. What is the outlook in your mind for Indianapolis the rest of the way here in 2022? Yeah, I say to our listening audience quite often, Ben, God bless the AFC South. Um, it is the <laughs> gift that keeps on giving. It is the eternal hope. And don't tell me anyone out there thinks Jacksonville, Tennessee, and or Indianapolis is going to truly run away with this division. I, I, those odds, I think, are very um, indicative of that belief. You know, it just seems like come September, it's going to be, oh, the first one to eight, the first one to nine is going to win this yeah. division, and we will laugh when they host, you know, Kansas City or the Chargers in week one of the playoffs. So uh, I think that's what gives Colts fans hope. They've got two big divisional games coming up with Jacksonville, Tennessee after this one. 
Kevin, it's a really good point because the win totals reflect exactly what you just expressed. Jacksonville now is eight and a half for their win total number, but the under has the juice. Both Indy and Tennessee, seven and a half now, and the over has the juice. So eight or nine wins might gift you the AFC South Divisional title. Kevin Bowen from 1075, the fan in Indianapolis, helping us preview Thursday night football between the Broncos and the Colts in Denver tonight. Kevin, thank you so much for your time. Of course. Thanks for having me. We go from Thursday night football to the rest of the Sunday slate here for week number five of the regular season with Harrison Sanford up next on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Thursday night football tonight in Denver between the Colts and the Broncos starts week number five of this NFL regular season. We go from Thursday to the full Sunday slate. Live right here, right now on the morning after on this Thursday on SportsGrid. I am Ben Stevens and we welcome on another one of SportsGrid's greats. It is Harrison Sanford joining us here to look at the Sunday slate in the National Football League. Harrison, thank you for taking the time to join us here on this Thursday on TMA. You're looking forward to, uh, to thank, first of all, thank you for j- having me on. And uh, looking forward to tonight. I got so excited. I want to just talk about tonight in general or the week of the week of football ahead of us. Week five is uh, kicks off tonight. Right past the co- quarter pole, if you will, of this NFL season. Harrison hosting in-game live all access on Friday night, Saturday afternoon, and Sunday afternoon for those live betting opportunities throughout your NFL Sunday as well. Harrison, a game that I think is going to be very fascinating this weekend and might show us a little bit more about one team to maybe quell some of the pessimism surrounding is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now a nine and a half point favorite against the Atlanta Falcons. Of course, it was Tampa last week getting routed at home on Sunday night football as a slight favorite against the Kansas City Chiefs. But Harrison, the odds rather optimistic about the Buccaneers. Now a nine and a half point favorite against the Falcons. How do you feel about Tampa Bay at this point? Yeah, it's tough to take. It's tough to see such a number there uh, with a divisional foe. But I think yeah. there's some good reason behind it. We saw last week uh, Tom Brady was able to somewhat open up the offense with his guys uh, being back in the mix. Uh, and then you yeah. also look at it look at it for the Falcons as well. They run at the second highest uh, rush neutral, neutral rate in the NFL. And what do the Buccaneers typically do to teams? They usually try and stop them from running and force them to put the ball in the air. Uh, adding the fact that Cordero Patterson isn't there. I know there's been hmm. a lot of optimism about that Atlanta Falcons offense. That every game so far this season, they've at least scored 23 points. Uh, fair to say, I think that comes to an end this weekend against Tom Brady. And I'm not one to comment on a man's marital issues, but I have to imagine that would be somewhat of a rally and cry uh, or a, a bonding moment for his team uh, this upcoming weekend. One would assume. There, you would assume. There are many questions. There are rumors. There is speculation surrounding Tom Brady outside of the football field for the first time in a long time. But on the gridiron, Harrison, I would agree. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers only gave up three touchdowns defensively in the first three weeks of the year. The Chiefs scored three TDs on the first three drives of the game. I expect a response from that Tampa Bay 
defense as well. And with no Cordero Patterson, the Falcons last week only completed seven passes. So it will certainly be an area the Bucks look to take advantage of. And Harrison, often we try to correlate markets here on the morning after, painting the futures market with the perspective of how everything adds up. And it is a divisional matchup in the NFC South on Sunday in Tampa Bay between the two top teams in the standings at the moment. Both the Bucks and the Falcons are two and two straight up this year. But as you can see, the Buccaneers minus 340 to still win the division. What do you make of Tampa's path then through the NFC? Uh, through the NFC, that's going to be... I think it's still likely, uh, honestly. I, I'm not as well as the Eagles have played. I think we can all say, has Jalen Hurts been been challenged yet? I think the quality of opponent has to come into question there. I mean, obviously, maybe the Vikings qualify, but then that was Kirk Cousins in prime time, and so we kind of know how that <laughs> one goes. Uh, and would it surprise us if Jalen Hurts played poorly in a big game? No, it, I don't. I don't think it would. Uh, we look at the Green Bay Packers. We see what's going on with them. Uh, having to go to overtime against Bailey Zappi to the point where Aaron Rodgers said that it, uh, what they have going on isn't sustainable. So that is obviously uh, a negative mark. And then you look at the Los Angeles Rams. I know Andrew Whitworth is a talented offensive lineman, uh, offensive tackle, but man, they, they miss him more than I even thought. They can't protect mm -hmm. Matthew Stafford enough to, for him to even throw the ball. And then if you, when he does throw the ball, I'm sorry. I know Cooper uh, Cooper Cup is amazing, but it doesn't seem like the offense is dynamic enough to get it to anybody else. Uh, and the whole Cam Akers, Dow Henderson thing is a whole other story, especially if you're a fantasy football player who has him on your roster. So I'm looking around and I don't see any top tier teams uh, definitely not performing at a high level outside of the Eagles. And the Eagles just have a very young quarterback that if he plays poorly in a big game, just wouldn't surprise us at all. So I like Tampa Bay still. I, I haven't really moved too much off of them. It's early. It takes uh, – I was actually talking to a, a NFL player, a former NFL player yesterday. He said, we, we really can't pass judgment on teams like this until eight weeks um, and, see where, and see where they stand. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to listen to the pro and uh, wait a while. Philly is the favorite right now in the NFC at plus 320, but that lack of proven track record in the moments that matter most – Probably why there feels like there is some uncertainty in the NFC championship market. And the Bucks now the third best price at plus 490 could certainly be value there. From two teams in the NFC South to another, Harrison, the New Orleans Saints back from London where they were last weekend at home in the Big Easy on Sunday. It's a five and a half point favorite against the Seattle Seahawks. A Seahawks team that has been good as an underdog so far this year, winning outright on the road last week in a high scoring affair against the Detroit Lions. I was slightly surprised by this five and a half point spread. How do you evaluate this number for Sunday between the Seahawks and the Saints? Well, uh, I'm not too surprised by it. I think we have to look at the fact that Seattle won against one of the most poorest defenses. Uh, last week yep. in the Detroit Lions, uh, and I and honestly, I was in, I, I was impressed by what the New Orleans Saints were able to do in London without Jameis Winston being there, without Michael Thomas being there, without Alvin Kamara playing in that game, and they covered the spread at least. So I was happy in that sense. Um, so I, I think they have. I think they're still one of the more talented teams uh, in the in the NFC. Uh, I think defensively, I think they. I think. They're fine all the way around. I think they can even be better defensively than they are right now once the offense gets clicking. 
and what Alvin Kamara is has finally been cleared to play. Yep. Uh, I think that is going to be a positive sign for all people involved uh, on the Saints side in this matchup. I think they really miss his dynamicism. I'll try saying that five times fast uh, in this yeah. match so far this season. So uh, I'm optimistic about the Saints, and I'm not surprised by that number uh, one bit on the on the Seahawks because also defensively they haven't been able to stand up for majority of the season. The second worst scoring defense in the National Football League, the Seattle Seahawks. The worst, those Detroit Lions that Seattle scored 48 points against in a win last week in the Motor City. The Lions were a favorite in that game. It snapped a 26 consecutive game streak of being an underdog. Well, the Lions back to being a dog this week on the road in Foxborough against the New England Patriots. The Pats now, Harrison, a three and a half point favorite. An intriguing number, seeing as we're not entirely sure who is going to be the starting quarterback. Will it be Bailey Zappi? Mac Jones was limited in practice yesterday afternoon on a Wednesday. What is your approach to the Lions being an underdog once again with some of those questions around the QB position for New England? My approach is going to be bet this game live. Don't even mess with it pregame because I don't really have the greatest feel on this matchup because of the quarterback uncertainty for New England. Uh, obviously, what they showed last week is that they could probably, you know, put together a, a good matchup uh, or a good showing out there. Uh, but how well uh, will be determined. And then if you look on the Detroit side, uh, there's injuries as well. Uh, so uh, what's the stats with the Monroe St. Brown? We already know the situation with DeAndre Swift. Uh, so it leaves a lot to be desired on both sides. Uh, I want to be... Uh, encouraged by what we saw last week for the Detroit Lions without Amon Ross St. Brown, without DeAndre Swift, but as you alluded to, <laughs> Seattle Seahawks are a porous defense. So uh, that's not the case in New England. So I'm not going to be able to go into this game feeling confident by any means, but I feel a little confident after maybe the first quarter, definitely after the first half, and that's uh, one of those games that I've almost circled that to only focus on the live aspect of it for sure. A great point from one of the hosts of in-game live all access each and every Saturday and Sunday afternoon and Harrison Sanford. I will say this the Lions under Dan Campbell now an underdog in 20 of 21 games 14 and 6 against the spread when booked as a dog under Dan Campbell the past two seasons. Harrison you mentioned the NFC and how the championship market right now feels a little bit uncertain. The Rams have moved back now to the fourth best price at seven to one only 50 cents ahead of the Niners who are plus 750. Those two teams ended out week four on a Monday. The Niners getting a win at home. Now the Rams back at home taking on the team with the seventh best price the Dallas Cowboys. L.A. Harrison, a five-and-a-half-point favorite against Cooper Rush in the boys on Sunday in SoFi. How do you break down this matchup? Yeah, as it pertains to this matchup, uh, this is one is kind of, um, this is the one I kind of throw in the prop shop uh, where I, I, I think I have a feel in the game, but I think I have a better feel on how the matchups might play out. Uh, I love the prospects of seeing Jalen Ramsey versus uh, C.D. Lamb. Think that's a situation where you're going to see some shadow coverage from Jalen Ramsey. So that's where I'm going to start messing around with uh, the receptions and receiving yards. Uh, I also like looking at Cooper Cup. You see Trayvon Dick. You see Trayvon Dix for the Dallas Cowboys, but he's not the type mm -hmm. of cornerback that's going to shadow coverage all across the field. So I predict another big time day for Cooper Cup 
Meanwhile, I know Allen Robinson did get some end zone targets or did at least get one versus the 49ers this past week. I think he gets completely, you know, potentially shut out in this matchup. Obviously, he hasn't been great, but now you're talking about potential shadow coverage while they try to move their offense, while they try to move the defense around uh, and keep CeeDee Lamb under check with Jalen Ramsey. So uh, that's something else I'm looking for. I'm also paying attention to the sack numbers on the props because we saw how bad the Los Angeles uh, Rams were in protecting themselves against the 49ers. Well, now here comes Micah Parsons. Not, not as much fun either. And now Micah Parsons, the betting favorite to win NFL Defensive Player of the Year. So the Cowboys have the seventh best odds to win the NFC title. The LA Rams have the fourth best price to win it for a second straight year. Those are postseason numbers. To get to the playoffs, though, the Cowboys actually have a slightly better price right now on FanDuel than that of the LA Rams, Harrison. It's minus 220 for Dallas. It's minus 215 for LA, the sixth and seventh best odds, respectively. And then a huge drop-off to the Giants at nearly plus 200. Should there be that large of a drop-off in the NFC playoff picture at the moment? Uh, I would say so, yes. Uh, the, the Arizona Cardinals have been horrific in the first half all season long. Um, yeah. And I, I think at one point it's going to catch up to them. They're lucky they saw Baker Mayfield in, in last week. And Baker Mayfield is a story for another day. Uh, but I don't. I, I haven't been encouraged by anything I've seen, even from the definitely not from the first half, and even the second halves aren't encouraging because it's a situation where they continuously have to do that. Um, they're one of the worst off, like literally one of the worst offenses in the NFL in the first half, and that's when you have the scripted plays. So if the scripted plays aren't working, oh, why does it always have to be off script? There's a lot to be dis lot to be uh, fixed in Arizona and the Giants. Well, it was a good start, but I don't I don't know how long that one lasts. So it makes sense to me. The Giants in London this weekend, a seven-and-a-half-point underdog against the Packers. The Cardinals taking on the Eagles, a five-and-a-half-point dog as well. Catch Harrison Sanford each and every weekend and Friday night on in-game live all-access, Saturday and Sundays from 4 to 8 p.m. Eastern time. Harrison, thank you so much for your time. We round out the show here on TMA Up Next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out our two hours together here live on the morning after on this Thursday, all across Sports Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 159, and the Spiz Grizz Network, that's Sports Grid. I am Ben Stevens. Thursday night football tonight in Denver, Colorado. The Broncos, a three and a half point favorite hosting the Colts, a total of 42 and a half. It kicks off week number five of this NFL campaign. If I'm looking at a side and a total, I will just offer this on the over-under. Again, 42 in a hook. 13 primetime games this year in the National Football League. Nine of the 13 have gone under. Is it random coincidence? Maybe. It's also kind of a sustained trend. And when you look at both of these teams, two of the three worst scoring offenses in the NFL between the Broncos and the Colts, Indy has played four straight unders to start the year. Denver under in three of four. That's my two cents on the total. Now a prompt. So before we say farewell and before we say goodbye, it's time for an NFL best bet. It is time for bye-bye-bye.
I often look to the prop market for any standalone NFL game, trying to find an edge, which is much more difficult to do when you look at a side or even the total. And I'm going through the prop board last night on the FanDuel Sportsbook, looking at Cortland Sutton, his receiving yards prop or longest reception, maybe Naeem Hines in his additional role tonight with no Jonathan Taylor for Indy. And I stumbled on a number that makes me a little bit queasy, but I think I like it. It's Russell Wilson, his longest pass completion tonight of 35 and a half yards in taking the over. Now, the Denver Broncos offense has struggled. Russell Wilson has struggled as the quarterback of it. But he's gone over this number of 35 and a half in two of the four games this year. And the two times he went under, actually both in the Mile High City, 34 and 35. Russell Wilson is one of the best long ball throwers in all of the National Football League. The deep ball is beautiful, and he went over this number 9 of 14 last year. Over 35 and a half, the longest pass tonight for Russ. The morning after each and every weekday, including a football Friday. It starts tomorrow at 9 a.m. Eastern time. We'll talk to you.